you and I, we are part of a culture and a society that is conditioned to look for shortcuts. Uh, whenever you can get there the fastest, that's the way we want to go. We don't want to read the whole book. We just want to read a summary. We used to say cliff notes when I went to school. Uh, you know, we don't have time for conventional ovens. We need a microwave oven. Um, we don't have time for a full breakfast, so you just get something on the run or maybe one of them instant breakfasts. That sounds terrible, doesn't it? Uh, for sure. Uh, as for research, uh, you know, our research is, hey, Google. Um, so uh, we are people that are just kind of looking for the easiest path, the straightest goal. Uh, you remember, uh, maybe in your classic children's reading, the story of the tortoise and the hare. Maybe you remember that one. Uh, you've heard of that, but the race between the rabbit and the turtle, and everybody put their bets on the rabbit to win. After all, he was a fast, nimble creature. The turtle was, bless his heart, slow creature, uh, barely moving, kind of plodding along, as we would say, at a turtle's pace. But you remember the moral of the story. The moral of the story was the rabbit got so far ahead that he got cocky, he was arrogant, and he wandered down the path and decided to take a nap. And while he's taking a nap, nothing against naps, but uh, while he's taking a nap for hours, the turtle not only catches up with him, but actually finishes first. The plotter beat the pace setter. Hmm. Sounds familiar, right? Uh, I have a GPS. Uh, it's on my phone. I never bought one of those for the car. I just like my phone. And so it gives me options. I have this app and it gives me options. And then asks me about detours, where, but I always pick the fastest way, right? Let's just get there as fast as possible. Not the scenic route, not the alternative route, but the one that gets you to destination quicker. We, I heard about some people that were trying to find a shortcut the other day. They were determined they were going to find this shortcut. And basically because of the attempt to find the shortcut, they got lost. That ever happened to you? Uh, you know, the fastest path may not always be um, uh, the best way necessarily. Uh, it's kind of a picture of our life. That's one of the things we're talking about is uh, today thinking about that uh, the, this idea of shortcuts, quick fixes doesn't always accomplish it. We are called to be catalyst, uh, catalyst in the world that we're living in. Our definition of catalyst has been a person or group whose life, talk, enthusiasm, convictions, and energy cause other people to be transformed. And so we've been... Uh, talking about that, trying to get energized together about what God is wanting to do in the world. We've been talking about this mission statement, learning it together. Are you learning the mission statement? Uh, every time you come in here, I hope you have that little, oh, I need to make sure I got that down. Uh, that's why we keep it up there. It's going to be there for a while. So uh, PFN, Church for Everyone, to follow Jesus, love God and others, learn and grow, serve, give and go. We've been focusing on that. This whole series been kind of wrapped up in those ideas. Uh, we've been talking about um, the art of neighboring. As I came in today, at least five people said, Pastor, how's your neighboring going? You know, I, I like that because they weren't really asking because they wanted to know. They were just letting me know that they've been paying attention to what we're talking about. Don't you like that? That makes me feel good. Um, I had people telling me about last week and their neighboring. Um, on your communication card, there's a way for you to write uh, uh, something about maybe what happened, something you did, maybe you had a neighbor night. I know uh, some that uh, last night, I had a, like, what'd you call it? A cul-de-sac party, right? I like that. Uh, <clears throat> that's going on there. I know there's another one. 
going on Tuesday uh, this coming week. So people are still involved in that. If you got a story, we'd love to hear about that because in two weeks, we'd like to be able to share a bunch of those stories as we kind of get to the closing of Catalyst and what that looks like. So write something down. Uh, tell us about that. Um, you, uh, we also have been talking about this idea of surprise the world. Uh, as a church, as believers, the church has certain expectations of us. Uh, I use the example of this non-food drive we have down there. Actually, we're doing really good down there. That's pretty good. A whole variety of things. I think we're going to be a real blessing to some places in our community. That's the end of that today. But they kind of, they, they're not really shocked that we, that we do that. I think when we bring non-food and we show up with pillows, don't you like that? We show it with pillows. Uh, so it's not just about food. Uh, I'm trying to be surprising to them to do something that maybe would, would help them. So thinking about you and us as a church. Last week, I uh, kind of gave you a philosophical message about where we are and who we are. Uh, some of you look pretty shocked. Um, you know, we talked about not only personal examples of our neighboring, but uh, what might happen at Sunnyland. And I talked to you about maybe just building this building at Sunnyland. We had a big meeting this week, and we, find, we have our concept drawing. Ooh, so excited. Um, you know, we don't have the money to build it yet, but we're, gonna, we're trying to get there. You know, you got to take care of your little step along. And then uh, I mentioned to you about Sunnyland. Some of the things I didn't tell you about Sunnyland or Washington or East Peoria or wherever that spot is right there, which is on Summit Drive. So if you're ever driving over there, uh, just turn left on Summit and it's right there up on a little hill. Uh, the church is right there. Um, we, uh, we have a meeting tomorrow night with their board. So that's another little step along the way. What I want you to know is we're not like all locked into something that we can't get out of. You know, we're just trying to take a step along the way to make sure that this is what God wants us to do. So uh, there are a few hurdles to get over, but we will have probably after Thanksgiving, we'll have like an informational meeting where you'll be able to come and we'll talk like a little town meeting kind of thing where we can have a big conversation instead of me talking and you just wondering what I'm up to. You know, you'll be able to ask questions and all that, but we're trying to gather some more data and then we'll get to that. So that's kind of where we've been going. Now, today we are continuing, but we're not talking philosophically. I wanted to talk to you over these next two weeks in a practical way about missional living, missional uh, habits that we have. So uh, the contrast between shortcuts and quick fixes is intentional missional habits. Uh, that's the first blank on your outline there. If you got your outline out, if you didn't yet, pull it out if you would. Uh, intentional mission habits. So let's talk about that. Intentional means something that is done on purpose. My intended behavior, pre-planned, what, what I choose to do. Uh, I think intentional living is a really good way of thinking about your life, that you're thinking in advance about the priorities that I have if I'm going to live my life on purpose uh, and instead of just being tempted to go this way or to go that way, making a decision about that. On purpose, intentional living, what I choose to be. So intentional, missional. Missional is... Uh, all that we do or say or live that points other people toward the living God. Uh, you know, God is not, um, we don't have a God that is just ancient or something that's 200 years old or 2,000 years old. God is alive today in this room. Amen. 
He is present with us. We have a living God, a resurrected Christ, uh, the Holy Spirit that comes and lives within us. Uh, He's alive. And so missional living, missional thinking, missional habits uh, would be the things that we do intentionally, things that we say, the way that we live out our lives to help other people see God. Amen? Most of those people that you run into are not showing up to listen to me. There's there's some of us here, thank God. Uh, But most of the people that we need to be influencing for the kingdom of God are not showing up here. The people that you work with, the way that you live your life, the family that you have, all the different people that are a part of us. So we are called to be examples, to be representatives out there in the world. He hasn't showed up. Most of the time he doesn't, you know, if they're going to, if they're going to hear any about the Bible, they're going to get it from you. If they're going to hear about prayer, they're probably going to hear about it from you unless they're in really bad shape and then they're looking for somebody uh, to pray for them. You know, whatever the situation is, they're going to see it in us. Intentional, missional habits, habits, habits are practical, regular rhythms or behaviors that help define who we are and what we believe. You do you believe that? That your habits help define who you are, uh, the things that are valuable to you. Sometimes people would say, I can learn a lot about you by looking at how you spend your money. Or the things that are valued, or where you go, or what you watch, or the things that are involved, your habits. Now, most of the time, we think about bad habits, don't we? You know, when, when somebody's talking about, I had this habit, they're not usually talking about being nice and friendly to their neighbor as a habit, Right? Now, we're working on that one. Uh, but most of the time, we talk about this negative habit that we have. Do we eat too much junk food? Or we do this or we do that or whatever your little vice happens to be. But what we're talking about is positive, intentional mission habits that could be very, very practical. Now, I believe the Bible is really interconnected with this idea. Uh, you know that Jesus and the New Testament are all wrapped up in... Faith and action being intertwined uh, together. Uh, look at this verse from James chapter 2, verse 17. It says, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. But if someone, someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds, show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You know, even deeds there could be habits, could be the way that I live my life, the choices that I make. Faith without habits, these deeds of missional living, that my faith is dead. This psychiatrist, he said, Carl Jung, he said, you are what you do, not what you say you'll do. That's worth thinking about right there, isn't it? It's the same idea that Jesus is trying to get across, reminding us of this, these missional habits that he has uh, in mind for us, recognizing what he wants to say and encouraging us to be missional in uh, how he wants this to happen. So the question of the day is, how are my habits, my lifestyle, my action driving my ability to point others toward God? That, that's the catalyst moment uh, as, as we continue to move along this idea. Do my intentional behaviors, my choices, help me to represent Jesus? 
So we, we could have just kind of made a list. Uh, you could make a list today and say of these, these are the habits, these are the things. What am I doing in my life? How do I live my life? How do I think about things? How is my talk? What do I do that helps point people to Jesus Christ? Do you think he wants that to be what we do? I think it's clear that he's calling us to be that kind of catalyst, to, be, uh, to, to allow that to happen. Now, uh, we're going we're to talk about six different lifestyle missional practices or habits. Now, we're not talking about all six today. I just wanted to give you the six. Um, we're going to talk about three today and three next week. So just trying to be real practical here. Now, um, the, these six that I want you to learn with me, uh, first of all, they're talked about in this little book. If you wanted this, this is kind of the idea. I'm going to give you a resource. So if you want to read more about it, uh, then you can do that. This book is five bucks. If you are willing to get it, it's on the welcome center out there. It's got a guy named Michael Frost and it's called surprise the world. And that's kind of where this idea even came from as we were talking about. So if you want a little, a little more information, there's a resource that you can look at. What, what, what he talks about in here is the thing called bells, B E L-L-S. Now that's five. We added one. So this is bells and one. You know, and one is like, you know, in basketball and you're driving to the lane and you go up and you put the shot up and you get terribly fouled and then the ball circles around and goes in the basket anyway. They say the basket counts and one. That's how that happened. That means they get one free throw for that. So that's what we're doing. Bells and one. All right, so we have these six things. What does bell stand for? And I'm going to give you one word. Bell stands for bless, eat, listen, learn, scent, God pocket. All right, those are our six. Would you say those with me? You see them on the paper there? Ready? Bell, bless, eat, listen, learn, scent, God pocket. Okay, those are our six. So we're going to apply these six different uh, practices uh, of, of ways that, can, that we can be missional. Now, these are not the only things that you can do to be missional. I'm just trying to get you thinking and get you involved in thinking about intentional missional habits. All right, first missional habit, number one, is bless others. Bless others. Now, what does bless mean? Um, the, the, I'll go ahead and fill in the blanks for you there. That's the habit. The action is affirm and encourage. Affirm and encourage. So let's talk about bless. Um, sometimes you hear people say, God bless you. Um, you know, I, I hope you mean that when you say it. Uh, a lot of times, you know, we, I, I'll hear it. Um, I'll be walking along. I'm in a store or I'm walking wherever it might be. And you hear somebody sneeze. And uh, so, uh, most of the time I'll say, God bless you. It's a great opportunity. to do that. You know, there's a lot of times people beat me to it. Uh, a lot of people say that. You know, God bless you. Um, you know, in the South, people say things like, bless her heart. That, that really is not very nice. <laughs> that means she's pitiful. <laughs> right? Uh, that's, that's, not what, that's not the idea that we have in mind here. You know, the idea of 
blessing can have a lot of different uh, varied meanings. You know, originally it's the idea of um, like blessing something, praying over something that would be uh, used in some kind of religious way that we would bless uh, a thing. Uh, today we use bless in all those ways I described. Really the, the, the key idea of bless and it, the meaning of it is to add strength to something. So that's why we say God bless you, because the idea is that your heart stops. I don't know if this is true or not. They always used to say your heart stops when you sneeze. And so, you know, you're adding some strength. I hope you're okay. God bless you. Uh, uh, we don't want your heart to, to stop. Uh, that's not our idea here, but we are thinking about adding strength to someone else. So to bless is to build someone up, to fill them with encouragement so that they increase in strength and success in living, to love them in a way that points them toward Jesus. Um, I love that. Um, this opportunity to build others up, to, in, to encourage them. What would, uh, what would that mean? I mean, that means any way that we come toward others to uh, relieve the burdens that they're carrying, to help them to breathe a little easier, to help them overcome uh, the stress or alleviate distress that they might be in. It can be big things. It can be small things, but offering strength and encouragement, affirmation to others around us. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. He wants us to be a light, to be a blessing to those that are around us. Sounds pretty intentional to me that he wants you to think about that. How's that going to happen? Hebrews 10.24 says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Once again, it's purposeful. It's not just, whoops, I blessed you. No, it's I purposely offered blessing to you. I'm encouraging you, uh, recognizing what God is wanting to do uh, in your life, offering you strength and help. So in a practical way, how would that come about? How would we bless others through affirmation and encouragement? Well, uh, I, I give you three examples. Uh, number one would be words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. That really is the simplest way to bless someone. Send them a note, write them an email, text them, uh, send them some words of affirmation and encouragement. It says, I noticed, I, I see what's happening. I want you to know I was uh, interested in you. I care about you. I'm praying for you, taking time uh, to do that. You know, um, blessing is so important. Praying is too, but don't say you're praying for them if you don't stop and do that. You know, I'm really trying to be very careful. I'm, I send a lot of texts. I send a lot of notes to people and all that. But I try my best not to hit that send button if I'm not telling the truth, right? Be genuine about it. You know, we're not just talking about trying to make people feel a little better. We're trying to point them toward God to offer strength and through the blessing uh, that we offer to them. Um, Mark Twain said one time, I can live two months on a good compliment. Oh, that was pretty good. Uh, you know, compliments, encouragement is like a kind of oxygen to your soul. It, it's, it's encouraging. It, it helps us. Encouragement, there, there's a little book we talk about in some uh, marriage counseling and all that around called the five love languages. As a matter of fact, one of those love languages is verbal affirmation. 
encouragement uh, to other people around us. And it, it means that uh, you're not just saying the right things. He even goes on in that little text to talk about um, the empathy and the care that you have for a person. That you, The reason that you're offering this blessing and care to them is because you've been paying attention and you realize the need that they have. You're looking at me like you don't think I'm crazy, so I'll just, I'll just show you. I am so sorry that you hurt your foot here. I know you had to walk in here on those crutches, and that is so hard. And I told her about another little girl that was sitting over here that is on crutches as well. So uh, you're not by yourself. And I don't know how long you have to do that, but I really hope it goes well. And I promise to pray for you, Brianna. I hope things will go well, and this will heal really well. That's pretty easy, isn't it? Uh, I noticed it when she came in. I noticed her over there that when she came in. Um, you know, I, I don't want one of them boots. I really don't. I try to be careful. And I don't know what happened, and I'm sorry it did. But I hope you get along well. See, that's so simple, isn't it? That's a, that's a blessing because you're encouraging somebody else. You're praying for them. And uh, you, you can tell I was already thinking about that, right? It, it, it hurt me that you, had to, that you got to do that all that time because I know those crutches. How about that? See, just so easy. How can we be a blessing? How can we encourage and offer strength and help to the people that, that we're around all the time? But it's not just in church. It's recognizing that. I've decided that's going to be a missional uh, habit for us. I'll give you a couple others. Um, acts of kindness. Acts of kindness. Uh, I mean, who doesn't feel blessed when somebody does you a favor or does something nice for you? When you cut somebody's grass or babysitting to help somebody out, helping a neighbor at their house, some act of kindness that you can offer to someone around you. You know, most of you in this room are so willing to do acts of kindness if you just noticed it. Right? It's that, it's that missional habit. That's a part of my, I mean, I'm not encouraging you to give all your money away. I'm not encouraging you to take all your time to do that. I'm just saying, be open enough that you could see it when it happens. That you have an intentional, missional habit about your life. Because I noticed that it is so easy for me to be so self-centered. Right? Just nod, nod your head. You might not leave me by myself over here. You know, I can get all wrapped up in my schedule and my time and what I got to get done. And I'm thinking about where I'm going and what I'm doing. And the whole world is like that. So how do we surprise the world? You're paying attention. You notice. You see somebody that, that's hurting or struggling. You know, you might not go up to them every single time. But if you have missional habit of wanting and desiring to bless other people's life, God will use you. God will use you in practical ways to surprise the people that you're around because they'll, most people don't take enough time to really care. You know, I show up at her place, her workplace, and they're supposed to care, right? They're getting cash to care at, <laughs> at the Tremont Medical Center, right? I know, I, know, I know it's not about that, but it is so different when you don't have to. When you've decided, this is the kind of person I'm going to be. Uh, missional habits. There's one more. Uh, we, I would say gifts. Uh, gifts is a way to do that. Um, I, I thought, well, I'm going to give gifts today. So 
Uh, I hadn't given you gifts like that before. I don't think we ever did it that way. But I wanted them to have uh, this little gift, uh, the staff that was here this morning, because I appreciate them. I was trying to bless them uh, today and you to help me to do that. Um, gifts are great, you know, but not just for birthdays or Christmas or some special time. You know, just thinking about um, uh, this stuff's been on my mind. I don't, I don't think she's in here yet. Um, I've, been, I've been thinking about like Christmas gifts and all these kinds of things. So I've been out searching, you know, and uh, I, asked, I asked the Lord, I said, please help me to be a better guy, to think about it way before it's too late, you know. So, uh, so I, I was out somewhere the other day and I thought, ah, oh, this is perfect. So I ended up with three things. Like it's October. It's pretty awesome. So, you know what? I, I want to bless her. And, you know, when I, you know what? I'm thinking about it. I'm just thinking about how, and if I can do that for other people, uh, opportunities that I could, could bless them with some idea. And as, as we move along here, as we get to the end of this service, you'll realize I'm not talking about you being smart enough to do it. I'm asking you to be aware enough so that the spirit can speak to you about it. So that something nudges you on the inside and says, here's what you can do. Here's something, here's a difference. Here's how you can surprise the world and point them toward me. Blessing through words of affirmation, acts of kindness, gifts. So bells, number one, is bless others. Now the challenge is, here you go, I will bless three people this week, at least one of whom is not from the church. Now I think that we help our church tremendously. Now I'm, I, want you, I want you just to bless others. As you come into this building, as you go, as you're walking down the hall, you have opportunity to bless other people, to touch them, to make friends, to be nice to people, to encourage others around. Our church, man, it just ought to be this great place, and it is, man. It's so, it's so great to be here. I met a guy that just came in the first time he's ever been in this room, and I went back to hug him, and he said, I already love this place. Don't you love that? Thank you, Randy, for that. Um, we, we, we need to be that kind of place where we're blessing other people. But don't just bless people at church that you already know. You know what it is? It's like practice. This is a great place to practice missional living. So we can practice doing that with other people. We can do things for others. We can say things that maybe, we, you know, the next door neighbor might be, he's going to think I'm weird. But, it's a, but we can practice it on each other, create this kind of environment so that we can do it out there. So this week, would you agree that you will bless at least three people? Try to find some words. A couple people from the church would be fine, but at least one person that's not from here, maybe you don't even know about where they are spiritually, that you ask God to help me bless them in some way. All right? Yes, I'll do that, Pastor. Thank you so much. That was good. All right. Number two. Number two is um, the second missional habit. Now, how you're going to like this. Eat with others. Eat with others. Now, this action is expressing hospitality. Hospitality. Now, hospitality is an attitude of the heart that shows openness, welcome, and care for others. You know, one of the things I noticed about hospitality, it's like 
you know, when you take these gift surveys, they always want to, you know, that's one of the things is one of my gifts, hospitality. I hate that sometimes we made hospitality like you got to know how to decorate the table or you know which fork to use or, you know, all that craziness. You know, hospitality is not about all of that stuff. That's a, I mean, that's high level hospitality, right? But there's a regular hospitality that just means I'm being inclusive. I'm welcoming. And nothing is more inclusive than eating with somebody, eating together. Uh, the scriptures help us with that. The, there's three different scriptures I have here for you that I want you to notice. Um, Mark 10, 45 says, the son of man came. Luke 19, 10 says, the son of man came. And Luke 7, 34, the son of man came. Now, if you were thinking about why did the son of man come? Now, first, son of man was a name that Jesus gave to himself. It was an Old Testament from the book of Daniel talking about the son of man. I think he chose that because he didn't necessarily call himself regularly the son of God. He said the son of man. And he did that because he's identifying with us. Like he's walking around among us. He's not just God out there. He wanted us to know that he's not only fully God, but he's fully embracing who we are as men and women, that he came to be among us. He's a son of man. He, he fits with us. And so it says, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That does not surprise you, does it? That's why he came. The Son of Man came to give his life as a ransom for many. Secondly, it says, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Not surprising. Sounds really religious, really spiritual, really God-like, something that God would do. And then it says, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. Big surprise, right? Surprise. Not because he didn't eat and drink. But he says, that is one of the reasons. See, he's telling you that these are the reasons that he came to save the lost, to serve, to give his life uh, for all of us. The method in which he was saying that was going to happen was, I'm going to be eating and drinking. Nobody gotten excited in here. You must not be hungry yet. So uh, my point is that eating is central to Christianity from the very beginning, eating and drinking. Um, you know, we, we, we like to joke about it, right? You know, whether it, I, whatever setting it is, I mean, we can say, well, the Nazarenes love to eat, you know, we know, or the Baptists love to eat, you know, I hear whatever the denomination, they all love to eat. You know? we, we, we love that. We love fellowship. We love eating together. Um, but that's a part of who we are. It's our, it's our fellowship together. But it's not only so that we can do it. It's so that we can make a difference around us. Remember, I told you the story about the emperor who was decided that he was, uh, the, the Christianity was just a big fake, just thing that was messed up. Well, what, what I didn't tell you was that one of the reasons he was writing about that was that he was describing what happened when those people got together. And he didn't write a lot about they sang songs in worship. They studied the scriptures together. No, that wasn't what he was saying. He said, you know what they do? They eat and drink together. They have church, but they also come together and they fellowship together. And then they go out and they fellowship with other people. And it's just a big ruse, he thought. But what he didn't realize, well, that's a core of part of who we are. Eating and drinking together. So a missional habit is 
eating and drinking. So you got this one down, right? Um, you love that already. You know, hospitality is this mutual welcoming others, being inclusive, um, sitting together. You know, I, uh, I was thinking about all those people that came in our house last week, uh, all the neighbors as they began to come in. And, uh, you know, I, I think some of them were a little gun shy. You know, they didn't, they didn't really, I, I, didn't, I wondered if they wanted to eat our food. Uh, I wondered if they thought there was going to be something wrong. Um, you know, uh, so here's what I decided. You know, I don't, if they invite me to come over, I'm going over. I'm not sitting like, mm, I don't know about that place, you know. You know, you see what they drive or, you know, and I don't know about their food. They got to, you know, what if they serve? I do not care. If they invite me, I'm going. You know what? They might, they might have wine and alcohol. You know what? I don't care. I'm not judging them. I don't, because I want to have an opportunity to be a part, because I know that they came and they sat at our table. They came and they felt welcome. You, th- you think I'm going to just say, I'm not, I'm not coming to your house. No way, man. Well, th- this eating together, this fellowship together becomes a part of our missional living. Uh, I- I'm helping you. See, I'm not adding a lot of your time because I'm pretty sure you eat about 21 times a week anyway. So, you know, you already got a lot of time, probably more. So, you know, some of you, I know. But... Um, you already got all this eating going on, all this eating and drinking, and uh, so it's, it's already there. And so here we have Jesus reminding us that he is identifying with he. So uh, the table becomes kind of the great equalizer. Uh, did you notice in our, our women's ministry that I, I noticed that the, um, the retreat, welcome to the table, Welcome to the table. Over, over at Southside, uh, Irene is all the time saying, come to the table. Come to the table. Uh, they are being great examples. They even have a Bible study now. It's called um, Save Me a Seat or Save You a Seat or something like that. Uh, all of those ideas are around this idea of gathering around uh, the table because the table becomes the equalizer. Here's a quote. I have it on your outline here from Surprise the World. Sharing meals together on a regular basis is one of the most sacred practices we can engage as believers. Missional hospitality is a tremendous opportunity to extend the kingdom of God. We can literally eat our way into the kingdom of God. If every Christian household invited a stranger or a poor person into their home for a meal once a week, we would literally change the world by eating. Huh. That really wasn't my challenge to you, because I know you're not going to do that for sure yet. Not every week. But what I am asking you to do is thinking about your missional habits. Uh, The challenge is I will eat with three people this week, at least one of whom is not from the church. Um, You know, it's so it's so awesome. These opportunities to eat together gives us a chance to, uh, uh, for the Holy Spirit to speak through us, to hear, hear their story and to hear our story. What an opportunity it is to do that, to, to be able to, to at least have that in my thinking. Could I have the opportunity to sit at a table with somebody that maybe is not a believer? Or could I meet with somebody that I care about even in this church that I could be an opportunity to, to disciple, to encourage them? Um, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. So be like Jesus. Be like Jesus. Have a missional habit of eating together. 
Last one for the day. Third missional habit is listen to the Spirit's voice. Listen for the Spirit's voice. This one, the action is create space and opportunity to hear from God. Space and opportunity to hear from God. I am not talking about um, having devotions. I'm not talking about reading the Bible. I'm talking about you deciding that God wants to speak to you. God wants to nudge you. God wants to prompt you. I would tell you that, uh, let's see, I've been a Christian for 48 years. I've been pastoring for 34 years. A bunch of people at different times say things like, um, how'd you get here? How'd this work out? Um, Why are you like you are? And I don't think I ever said it this way before, but I think I'm the way that I am because of this habit right here. Now, I love the Bible. I love to study the Bible, read the Bible, preach the Bible, all that stuff. Uh, I love everything about church and all that. But I'm telling you, this habit right here is the one thing that you can, you can really not get to where you want to be as a believer if you don't get this. You with me on that? Listening to the voice of the Spirit in you. He wants to speak to you. You know, for a lot of people, listening to the Spirit voice is kind of like the music that's playing when you're in the busy coffee shop. You know, you you might catch a little glimpse of, hey, I know that song. But like you can't really concentrate on it because people are talking and there's so much going on around you. Uh, If that's how you have to listen to the Spirit's voice, you're not going to hear a whole lot. Little glimpses here or there. Maybe he speaks to you in church. I'm not talking about church. I'm talking about deciding that you would let yourself hear from God. God wants to, God wants to prompt you. God, now, I'm not talking about voices. Don't, don't, don't write me about that now. So I'm not talk, I've never heard the voice of God. I don't know if he's a tenor or bass or what he, I don't know what he is. I never heard the voice of God. But I have... I've heard that spirit voice in me for decades. You know, how do you decide what to do? How do you decide how to pastor a church? Or how do you decide to go to Southside or Sunnyland or any of these decisions that we make? How do you, how do you decide all that? You know, I do not just wake up in the morning and say, hey, let's go over here. The spirit speaks to us. The Spirit nudges you. He wants you to know. He's, he's not playing hide and seek. All he asks you to do is to develop a habit of listening for the voice of God. There's a, there's a lot of ways to do that. I, I think Scripture is a great way to do that. Because, I mean, some people talk about meditation. I'm not really even talking about that. But if, if all you think about, here, here's how it goes. You know, when I'm trying to take some quiet moments with God. And, and, and man, my, my life is as busy as yours. 
And you, you, you take some quiet moments with him. You know, as soon as I'm trying to be quiet with him, then all this stuff starts popping in my head. That happened to you? So I got, a little, I got a little pad that I have with me. And so when that starts happening, and it always happens, first five, six, eight minutes or something like that, I cannot quit thinking. All of a sudden, I remember everything that I forgot. <laughs> right? I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to go there. And I'm supposed to take care of this. And ah, I totally forgot about that. So I just start writing it down because I'm not fixing it right now. I'm getting myself, I'm trying to listen to the Spirit's voice over all these other voices. So you just write it down. I got to get that done. I got to finish that Wednesday night. I got to do whatever, you know, I got to go pick this. I got to do that. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just writing it down. I usually write it down and push it to the side. And then five minutes or, you know, a minute later, I got something else right there. But it takes a little, it takes a few minutes to kind of get all that stuff out of you. So you take some time. There's a little list for you on the outline, set, setting a time, setting that aside and eliminating those distractions. You know, I heard people say, well, I can have, I can have devotions with my headphones on and all that. And maybe you can do that, but I, I got to get quiet enough that I can hear the spirit, that I can feel that nudging and be able to make sure that it wasn't what I ate yesterday or something else. Like that is, it really is his spirit moving. And if I take a little bit of time, I get to it. I usually, I mean, I don't just plop myself down and whoop, there he is. You know, nope. I usually got to take a minute. Um, um, and I'm not telling him all the stuff in that moment that I need done. You know, I'm, I'm telling him I'm, I'm listening. You know, your greatest praying could be listening. How about that? Your greatest prayers could be listening to the voice of God. So you set some time aside, you eliminate uh, those distractions. Uh, you have an opportunity now to let God into your life, into your moment. Um, you know, if we're going to be catalyst, if we're going to carry out these, you got to get this habit. That's why I saved it for this third one right here that we could talk about it this morning and decide that you, you let him in and then you follow his promptings. You follow his promptings. What I notice about promptings is um, they, they never stand alone. Like if he prompts me to do something, as I'm willing to do it, then he creates the affirmation that's there. It, it's like you got to take the step. You got to be willing to do what he asks you to do. You know, if I want to shut him up, all I got to do is not do what he's prompting me to do. You know, because he's, he's not going to keep prompting me if I'm ignoring what he's saying. But it's my habit. It's my choice. Oh, let's see. I was, some people struggle with this so much. I, I, I really want you to think about his willingness to talk to you. That, that would be your habit. That you have an expectation that the Spirit wants to give you wisdom. That the Spirit wants to give you discernment. I have people say all the time, Pastor, I just don't know what to do about this situation. Well, I just want to say, let's just get in a room and just quiet ourselves and just wait for a few minutes. Sometimes it takes a little while, but he will speak to you. He will prompt you. He will begin to show you wisdom from God, direction that you didn't have before. I always say he's the smartest person in the room. He knows what's going on. I'm not going to get there by my intellect. 
I'm going to sit down and be quiet and wait for him to nudge. And then be, and I'm telling you, once you do it for a while, man, you begin to realize that God really is speaking to us because he wants you to be a missional thinker, a missional living out your life. I'll tell you one more thing. Um, I notice a lot of people struggle with this because they, uh, they just don't feel worthy of that. They got all this negativity going on in their life. Like, you know, you have all this love and care for somebody else, but you don't have the same love and care for yourself. Here's what I usually, I'll just take you to the little counseling room for a minute right now, okay? It's like the stuff that you say to yourself, the way that you think about yourself hinders you from being able to hear from God. You live in bondage to all these things going on in your life. You have such negative views about who you are. So here's what I say. Think about, I don't know, think about the person that you just, that you just love. Just think about one of them little girls and how much you love them. And there are things that you would never say to them. I mean, you want them to have positive self-image. You want them to love God and to know God. But I'm not putting you on the spot or anything. But I bet Mandy says things to Mandy that Mandy would never say to Olivia. Right? Makes me cry. Because we do that, don't we? We say things to ourselves that we would never say to somebody that we cherish. Somebody that we care about. Well, here's the rule. If you wouldn't say it to them, God is not saying it to you. Amen, Pastor. If you wouldn't say it to them, God would not say it to you. 1 John 3.1 says, See how the Father has lavished His love on us that we could be children of God. And then it says something is different than any other verse in the Bible. John says, and that's what we are. That's what you are. That's how much God loves you. He cares so much about you. He believes in you. He wants you to hear his voice. He wants you to be led by him. Listening to the Spirit's voice becomes a missional attitude that if you do that, he will help you to know who to bless. It just raises your radar. You say, okay, and I feel that nudge, and I feel that direction there. And I'm going to be your man, going to be your girl, going to do what you asked me to do. Don't care if anybody else sees it. I'm not doing it for show. I'm being genuine, and I want to offer myself to him because I'm listening to the voice of God. If you wouldn't say it to yourself, he's not saying it to you. But what he is saying to you, I love you. I believe in you. I made you. All this other stuff that you hear around you, get, get quiet enough that you could hear the Spirit's voice. As we close today, um, would, you, would you just close your eyes, just kind of sit there, um, get yourself in a place, kind of put your paper down and I don't know what you're thinking about today, but I hope that you would make a decision here this morning about being a missional person 
And listen, I'm not just talking about this week. I gave you challenges for this week. Bless some people with your words or kindness. Eat with, eat with some people, at least one person maybe that doesn't know the Lord. Take some time, at least some time. But what I'm asking you to do is to make some lifestyle decisions. They're not just this week, but as a part of who I am, I'm on mission. I'm living my life on purpose. I have some intentional things that, that, that are going to shape who I am. And I'm always paying attention to how God wants to use me. Could you ask God to nudge you, to prompt you, to speak to you? We'll take just a few seconds here together, just in quietness. Heavenly Father, um, what we talked about today is life changing. We all struggle with some of these same things. And Lord, I, I can't make it if you don't help me hear your voice. My friends here, we can't get to where we long to be if we don't hear from you. So help us to think about your word. Help us to realize that our worth is not based on my own thoughts or what the devil says or what other people have said about us. It's all wrapped up in you and what you say about us. And you created us. And you know exactly how to speak to every person in this room, every person that's watching live stream. You know exactly how to speak to us so we can hear it. You want to communicate with us. You want to give us wisdom and direction and discernment. You want to help us to be missional and how we can care about other people around us. Help us, Lord. Help us as your church, as your people, as your children to be able to hear the Spirit's voice. We pray, Lord, that you would teach us how to surprise the world. In Jesus' name, amen.